This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Today on Inside Supercars, we continue our look at the rookie seasons of Cam Hill, Declan Fraser and Matt Payne. I think the main thing for me is just um, qualifying speed and, and just working out how to unlock a little bit more of that because I sort of feel like in most of the races, the race pace has been good. So there's only really one left-hander on the whole track, which it just makes tire life so hard because you're always you're always turning right. You sort of rush the whole entire practice session to try and make changes, get back out. You don't really have much time to get out of the car, talk to your engineer, figure out what you want to do for the next sessions. Hill Payne and Fraser look back on a weekend at Wanneroo. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by another of our great rookies of 2023, one of the standout years I'm sure to come, will be uh, shown up in the future years, but Cameron Hill, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. It's um, a fascinating weekend over in Wanneroo always. Um, they do things a little different out west. It was a tough weekend for you, but uh, you feel that you uh, earned your stripes on that track? Yeah, look, I guess, again, it's another weekend where if you look at the results, it doesn't look anything special, but I sort of felt like we made some real progress. Uh, you know, Saturday, I was only 100th off transferring into Q2 and and. Point three off the fastest time, which is just outrageously close. Um, you know, three tenths between the top sort of twenty four cars is just insane. Um, and and you know, we went a direction for the race and it didn't really work. So we we sort of had some thinking overnight and we came out on Sunday and I sort of thought we actually had a really good race car and um, obviously I had a great qualifying for the third race, uh, qualified twelfth and um, you know actually. Ran up there, briefly was in the top 10 because we rolled the dice on our strategy, but um, probably went too aggressive and, and then yeah, didn't have any tyres left at the end. Well, they always say that if your last race is your best race, then you know, you're making progress, and that certainly was the way. And you know, finishing nearly 10 places up on uh, in the previous uh, two races is always a good result. Obviously, Jack uh, has been doing this for a number of years. Do you get a good chance to work with him? Do you... You've, feedback obviously with the engineering briefs and things like that but does he give you little insights into each of the tracks you've been at yeah jack's been really great to work with you know having a teammate where you can 
obviously bounce ideas off, set up, driving technique and, and those things uh, always helps and and Jack's been awesome. Uh, he's really laid back and, and we sort of get along really well and so at the moment I think it's kind of a really nice fit. We're both sort of pushing to, to lift this team further up the grid. Yep, and I'm certain that will occur as, as your year goes on because one of the things, I mean, quite apart from the team learning these Gen 3 cars, you're obviously having to learn a lot more than just the Gen 3 car. It's the whole way of a weekend goes as part of your education, isn't it? Oh, for sure. You know, you have to learn the format. And um, I've had three different formats in three rounds. So that's been certainly, you know, a, a bit of a, a tricky thing to tackle. But, you know, the next few rounds are, I think, super sprint rounds. So a bit of stability there. Um and, yeah, hopefully we can – I think the main thing for me is just um, qualifying speed and, and just working out how to unlock a little bit more of that because I sort of feel like in most of the races, the race pace has been um, good. So, uh, you know, if we can start higher up, that's normally when you start to get better results. When I started doing this series back in 94, Cam, um, <laughs> one of the distinguishing things of the sprint rounds was you had three sprint races on a Sunday. And I can always remember you had to make sure you got round all the drivers in between each of those races because otherwise, didn't that happen in the, in the third race? Oh, no, it was it the second one. I don't remember. It was diabolical, you know. <laughs> and it's not that situation now because each of those races does seem to have its own particular character far more. Yeah, it is a bit like that, trying to piece together what happened in what race. But... um Thankfully for me, uh, it's still sort of all fresh in the mind, so um, so far so good. One of the distinguishing things about you, Cameron, is that uh, you're not only a race driver, but you're also a, a race team manager because you have a another role in your life, that being uh, somebody who is uh, a co-owner uh, with your father. Is that correct, of the team? Yep. Yeah, that is. Right. If I, what's your father's first name? I haven't met him as yet. Colin, yeah, my dad's name's Colin, and the team uh, name is CHE Racing, uh, which was just basically yep. Colin Hill Engineering Racing. So, because um, yeah, dad, dad's been a, a sole trader for well, since whenever I can remember. He started just downstairs at our family home um, in Tuggeranong. and then when things got a little bit bigger and needed a bit more space, that's when we got the the workshop out in Queanbeyan, and we've probably had the workshop now for, must be getting on to 20 years. Um, so, yeah, and from, you know, his sort of engineering business, when I moved into to cars, um, out of go-karts, we obviously just sort of did it all in-house. And um, what started just as a father-son sort of operation um, once I moved on from Formula Ford, we then uh, actually started running customer cars and um, and then, yeah, the little race team sort of just grew from there and one car went to two, went to four, went to, I think we were at five at one, five or six, which was a lot and I think we're back down to sort of three or four this year, which is a, a nice little size for us. And that being Formula Ford? Uh, a little bit of a mix. So uh, Formula Ford is what we're racing this year. Uh, we've got three young uh, kids, Zach Lobko, Lachlan Strickland and Imogen Radburn. They're all competing in the National Series. 
Um, but over the previous few years, we ran Tom Sargent in um, Sprint Challenge, and before that, it was Formula Ford, and um, he actually drove my car from Carrera Cup because it was the, the year after I won, it, it went straight into Sprint Challenge, and so we just um, sort of kept running the same car, and um, obviously, we, we won that championship, which was a pretty cool thing. Indeed. In fact, you've got a couple of fairly big uh, trophies in your cabinet, not only the, uh, the Sprint Challenge, but also the uh, Bathurst Six Hour. Um, that was a, a high point, I would think, in terms of your father and yourself, your enterprise, to have uh, taken that car, built it, raced it, and won with it. That uh, was an astounding thing. Yeah, it is pretty special. Definitely a highlight of um, our team's existence. Uh, you know, we had just come off the back of winning Carrera Cup with myself and um, Tom had won the Formula 4 championship driving for us and it was pretty cool that we were uh, able to sort of team up for the first time, me having sort of coached Tom for, for many years and um, to, to share the car with him at Bathurst was really cool and you know, the amount of work that went in behind the scenes um, from uh, Dad, Tom, um, you know, Tom's father, Craig, uh, Heath, who works for us full time. Like there was – and I, I had to even get ring-ins in the last few weeks because um, that car was uh, a, a seriously big build and, and we weren't sure we were going to make it for the six-hour, but um, I think it turned its first laps two weeks before the race and – you know, probably went into the, the race with no more than about two hours of runtime on it. So um, we really didn't know how we were going to fare, but I think it was uh, halfway through practice one. Um, I think I saw a purple sector come up, and I thought, oh, yeah, I think we're going to have a good weekend. And a good weekend you did, uh, uh, a standing weekend, because uh, and fully deserved to get that success given the uh, – You've just given us a, a thumbnail sketch of it. Um, maybe you could just give our readers, oh, sorry, our listeners, uh, a journo, right, a reader, uh, our listeners an idea about how Tom's going because he embarked on a whole new venture going off to America. Yeah, this year Tom's racing in Carrera Cup North America, which is uh, an amazing opportunity for him. Um, he won Sprint Challenge last year here with us and and now he's off um yeah chasing the american dream as as they say um but i think he's had two second overall second place finishes uh, i think he's finished second in every race so far he was leading at long beach i was having a look and um it was a really close race but um yeah it's amazing to to see how he's sort of made a a mark straight away over there and i don't think a race wins too far away for him and I, I don't need to pump up your tyres, Cam, because I think you might be the last owner-driver to win Formula Ford. And, of course, many of the drivers through the 70s, early 80s, that was the only way you could win Formula Ford, even into the 90s. Yeah, I think someone raised that stat at the time. You know, the last one to do that before us was probably like Neil McFadden, in like early 2000. So I think it had been almost 15 years really since like a privateer as such had won the Formula Ford National Championship. And um, I look back at that with um, a lot of fond memories. Um, you know, so much of the credit, you know, deserves to go to my dad, Colin, as well. Uh, he 
would, you know, just spend many, many a night, you know, working late, working on the car, tinkering, just making sure the thing was perfect. Um, and, yeah, obviously it was a, a really – we made a really good team and we managed to, to pull it off. Now, Cam, the one thing that you take out of Perth that you're going to carry with you, particularly to the other super sprint rounds this year? Look, there's probably a couple of things that, you know, I can definitely take away from it. Um, we definitely started to go a different way on, on the setup uh, on Sunday, and I think I'm starting to learn how these cars need to feel to, you know, get the most out of them and, and how you have to drive them. So there's a little bit on the driving side for me. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's so important to be able to, maximize your qualifying because if you can qualify well um you normally have good races so that's going to be the focus when we get down to um tasmania simmons plains it's going to be how can we squeeze uh every last little one percenter out to make sure we um are on the right side of the 10th because you know i think we saw there'd be 10 drivers that were within 0.1 of a second and you know you could be one end of it and you could be 15th and you could be the other end and you could be 5th. And, you know, the bloke in 15th, he's not a bad driver. He's point, you know, one of a second away. So it's just trying to, yeah, get those one percenters. We wish you all the very best, Cameron, uh, down at Simmons Plains for round four of the 2023 Repco Series. I'm sure you'll make your mark yet again there. Wish you all the very best. You've already been through the debrief with uh, Matt Stone Racing, have you? Uh, debriefs tomorrow. Um, I think everyone was taking a couple of days off after Perth. It's been a, it's been a pretty hectic start to the year, but um, the truck. I think the truck probably got back um, today or maybe tomorrow. And um, yeah, the boys will then be full steam again, um, getting getting ready for Tassie. So um, it'll be good to ch- uh, chat with the team and and come up with uh, how we're going to attack the weekend. So they'll do the set down on the uh, the cars to see what was in the car for your last uh, race there in Barbagello or Wanneroo. Um, and then you'll have your conversation with the engineers and all the drivers and obviously Matt Stone as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've already spoken to uh, Forgy, my engineer, and um, I know he's already sort of trawling through all the data to, to get ahead of the game. So, um, yeah, it'll be really good once um, yeah we're all looking at each other again and, um, yeah, we can sort of talk about what worked and what didn't. And, um, I, yeah, I, I sort of think – I think it's only going to get closer as the year goes on. You know, there's obviously a couple teams that have shot, about, shot out of the gate really well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's so much adjustability on these cars. We've, we've probably only just scratched the surface of um, possible setup combinations. So, um, no, it's quite exciting. We wish you all the very best down at Simmons Plains for the Tasmanian round. And one thing that probably I will like to talk on you with uh, after Simmons Plains is about Paul Forgy. I've known him for coming up close to 30 years and uh, as a long-time Stone Brothers man and obviously Marcus Ambrose, he's, uh, he's got an enormous history there and I'm sure you must enjoy uh, maybe not recounting the tales but learning of the experiences he had and what he learnt along the way. Yeah, absolutely. No, It's so good to have Forgy in my corner like you touched on. He's um, got so much experience and, um, you know, he's a real racer. He, he just gets it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're sort of definitely building a, a great relationship and, 
talking the same language, which uh, I think is a big part of um, a good relationship between drivers and engineers. Thank you, Cameron Hill. Enjoy your time in Tassie and look forward to talking to you post-race. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. As rookie seasons continue all over the world, we're concentrating on the supercars. And Declan Fraser, it's great to have you back on the show. Perth, a third different track in three race weekends for you. What was the takeaway lesson of that weekend? Yeah, I think, well, firstly, thanks for having me back. Um, Yeah, Perth was the one track in the first probably six races that we've actually had some experience at. So it was good to go somewhere where we knew sort of what I was getting into when I got there. Um, The biggest thing for us was the different qualifying format, which I haven't actually done before, which was the knockout system. So Going into it, I was pretty pretty confident with the cars that we had, and after the second part of qualifying, I was pretty happy with where we were sitting. We got into that part with um, sitting 11th, so we're pretty happy there, and then had a few things go wrong in between there and ended up 16th. So um, that was, it sort of set the tone because in the races, it was all about track position. It was so close. It's crazy. Like, it was the closest that I've been to a pole position all year, but with the gaps that it was, but I was so far back in the pack. So, um, yeah, being such a small track, it's going to be the same as when we go to Tassie. It's such a small track, so the lap times are closer and the whole field's closer. But, yeah, it's pretty cool that, um, yeah, the the first knockout for the year is all, all done and dusted and a new experience for me. How big a difference and how important is it to go to a track that you do have some familiarisation with? Um, yeah, it's massive. The, the knowledge that I had going there previously let me focus on more trying to figure out exactly what I needed to do to extract speed out of the car. And the, um, the team done a fantastic job over the course of the weekend of getting that done for us, which was really good. Um, we probably missed it a, a little bit in a couple of in a couple of qualies and races, but overall we um, yeah we're still developing the, the Gen Three Mustangs, but we've um, yeah done a done a pretty good job so far. Going to Tassie, what's your experiences like there previously? Uh, only ever time I've done anything at Tasmania is when I done some hot laps in some Ford Mustangs last year while I was travelling around with um, with T8. So uh, it, it's another new track for me to learn in a race car and um, we've got some good footage from there last year. I know Cam qualified on pole in the first race and had really good pace throughout the whole weekend. So... Um, yeah, we've got some good footage and data, different cars and stuff um, for us this year, obviously, but we know that the, the team have got a good base to work from straight away. There was the qualifying on Saturday, which is that knockout format. What have you learnt from that format? What have you learnt that you need to do differently when you go to other super sprints throughout the year? Um, oh. I think it's all about, like like any qualifying, it's all about maximising that one lap. But with the knockouts, you've got to do it consistently over three sets of tyres, basically, to get into the 10. So we found that at Perth, our race pace comparative to the people around us was actually really good, even to the people with inside the top 10. But it's just all about track position. And like I said, the, the times are so close that you could be two, you could be one-tenth away from the top 10, but you're still in 20th. So... Um, yeah, like I said, it's just about maximising and making sure that we're using practice to the best of our abilities to make sure that we've got a car capable of putting us in the 10 in that qualifying. And unfortunately, we were a little bit out of sequence with some stuff that went wrong inside the pits and stuff like that during the sessions. But 
um, yeah, it, it's all a new learning experience for a rookie like myself. So, um, yeah, just, just building on it and hopefully next time we get to that format, I know a bit better of sort of when to go out on track and when when to sort of utilise the setups that we sort of learnt in practice for, for quali in that different, I guess, um, segments of the qualifying and different track temperatures and whatnot. One thing they also tried on you at Perth was a 90-minute practice session, and I was fascinated to see that you did something like 42, I think, laps in that one-and-a-half-hour practice session on Friday. That must have been a, a fantastic way to get yourself more lap time than you possibly had all season. Yeah, definitely. The the extended lap, uh, the extended time period for practice, it was a pretty cool aspect that we haven't really done before, but um, it also makes it, it's got different aspects that are good and also bad. Like you sort of rush the whole entire practice session to try and make changes, get back out. You don't really have much time to get out of the car, talk to your engineer, figure out what you want to do for the next session. So the aspect of being able to do a lot of laps and learn the track, even though I already knew Perth, but obviously at other tracks it will be really beneficial. But that's really good in that aspect. But then in the other one where you don't actually get that time, like I said, to sit down and figure out exactly what you want to do for the next session, um, it makes it really hard and you don't actually have that time to develop as as you would normally. So um, it was cool and I thought it was a really good addition to, to the weekend and it'd be cool if they mixed it up a little bit and done maybe something like that at some rounds and then normal normal uh, practices at other rounds. I think it would just yeah mix up the field a little bit more and make it a bit more interesting. Yeah, it was a, a fascinating one because those short, sharp sessions – mean that you can't do a lot of big changes to the car in a practice session. But as you're saying there, having a couple of short sessions does change the dynamic. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one thing that we probably struggled with a little bit on the on the Saturday for us, especially just we probably missed the window a little bit in our setup in the practice. And we went off in a little bit of the wrong direction, which like you said, we don't get to make big changes in practice, so it's all little changes, but then you're trying to make one change here, but you don't have time, so you have to make a couple of changes, and you don't know which one of those changes was good, which one of them was bad. So, um, yeah, like I said, we probably lost ourselves a little bit, but we still got back like a qualified 16th, like I mentioned, in the knockout, and we sort of got back into a groove, and um, a couple of unfortunate things happened in the racing with... Um, being spun and a couple of pit entries nearly being taken out while trying to get into pit entry, which cost us a couple of seconds per per race. But um, like I said, we got back into our rhythm and uh, the last race, apart from being taken out, we actually had really, really good race pace, which was comparative to those in the top 10. So um, like I think I mentioned earlier in the interview, it's um, it's all about track position. And when the field's so close, you got so many good drivers track position is key and that's something that I've really got to work on is my qualifying pace which is why I'm uh, heading back up to Norwell to go work on my uh, qualifying shootout times Yeah, supercars I guess has for the last 20-25 years been a qualifying race series where if you don't qualify at the front, you don't win. Yeah, exactly and I think even Shane for example, last year a couple of times where he'd have an absolute shocker but he'd still be able to drive through the field at some races and, and whatnot. But this year the cars are a bit more harder on degradation and I think you've seen that on 
I forget which day it was, but he qualified down in, in 21st and made his way back up to 15th or something. So um, being able to get that track position is massive, but then being able to hold on to a tyre throughout a stint is a little bit harder in these cars because they're more mechanically gripped rather than aerodynamically gripped. So, um, yeah, it's it's all new for everyone and it's especially a big learning curve for a rookie like myself. So um, I'm still plugging away, happy to be here and, Really excited for, for what the rest of the season holds, really. Now, I know Justin Murray had you, you know, absolutely at every letter opening happening in the Super Cheap Auto offices last year. This year, with tradies, between now and the end of the month when you head back into the car in Tassie, what are the sponsorship responsibilities for yourself and uh, particularly with your major sponsor, tradies? So, we're um, actually heading up to Gold Coast next week to do a full Sigford sponsor event. So um, that'll be really cool. Obviously, Norwell is something that's really close to me and something that I've used and, sorry, utilised throughout my whole career since the 86s. So to be able to get the sponsors all together, it's not just um, not just Car 56 sponsors, but everyone from the whole entire team all in one area. Good networking event for everyone, for everyone to get to meet each other and spend a bit more time together. So um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to and, it's actually that's sort of what we got time for because we're back to Tassie the following week. So um, I think having that little bit of a get together and being able to actually take them out in the cars, we'll probably do a shotgun race where me, a couple of the other instructors, and all the drivers will jump in the car and do um, a, a race with some people in the passenger, which is always fun to see people's reactions. So um, like on on the highway, people get road rage and sit up the back behind of people pretty aggressively, but not at a full race pace. So, um, like I said, it's pretty cool to see the reactions of people when they get a racing situation sitting so close to people. Mm. And going to Tassie, we'll see that on Friday there's a couple of demonstrations for the supercars, but it's not until Saturday when you have two practice sessions and then straight into the knockout format again. Yeah, it's um, pretty chaotic, isn't it? Like... um I'm so used to Super 2 days where it's sort of practice and then one day and then quality race, quality race in the next two days. But like you mentioned, it's um, a two-day format for us and you practically don't really get much time between the sessions to really even catch a breath. So I'm looking forward to it. It's really good that we've got um, a physio, Brad Sampson, that comes away, Amaya, sorry, that comes away um, to each race and he's been awesome. Like in in um, Perth, I probably struggled a little bit in the first race. My drink wasn't working and I started to cramp up a little bit. Um, but he, as soon as I got out of the car, he'd done some work on me, got me back fighting fit and I had no problems for the rest of the weekend. So I think that's going to be really beneficial to have him there in Tassie to make sure that all of us guys are fully prepped and we're loose when we get in the car and we can just drive to the best of our abilities without thinking about um, how worn out we are from how packed the schedule is, really. Well, Declan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Have a great uh, have a great time with all the sponsors there, and we look forward to seeing how you perform out there at the Neds Tasmanian Super Sprint. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Speak to you then. Matt Payne, welcome back to Inside Supercars. Uh, thanks for having me. It's pleasure to come off a, uh, a successful Wanneroo. While your last race was not your best for the weekend, you certainly uh, made your mark there and uh, let them know you are there. Yeah, like it was it was really good at the start of the weekend, you know. We um, we qualified really well on Saturday doing the, um, the three-part qualifying series, um, which was cool. So, yeah, made it through to the third round and qualified fifth 
which I think we're all pretty stoked about. Um, and um, yeah, held our own in the race, which was which was pretty cool. Um, so racing up the front with those guys. But um, yeah, the um, last two races on Sunday, we, we qualified all right for the first one, and I just sort of missed the mark um, on that. Um, that second that second qualifying on Sunday just made a mistake. Didn't quite get the lap out of it, so it made it hard for the for the last race on Sunday. And when you when you're racing at the back with those guys, it's pretty hard um, to to not get caught up in sort of all the carnage at the back. So um, yeah, it was it's hard to race from there. But overall, really happy with the the first two races. You know, you qualified fifth, eighth, and sixteenth. And as we know in this series it is much closer than most others around the world road racing. And looking at across the three race qualifying, um, you had a 0.57 in the first first to 25th. On the Sunday uh, first qualifier, it was 0.8. And then the uh, last race of the weekend was 0.67. And so you don't have to be much off to uh, suddenly find yourself from eighth place back into 16th, do you? Nah, that that's the whole thing. Like it, it only took me to maybe make a a small sort of mistake on on one corner and and not sort of quite get the next one right, and and it really does hurt. You know, I think the margins are uh, the closest have been sort of well, the closest I've sort of raced against um for a while, and um you know apart from the go karting days, it's been um yeah, definitely a lot of pressure to to get the lap right in your international career, and you, you've done quite a bit overseas. There's nowhere else as close as this, is there? I mean, it's it's not that it's a qualifying series, but if, unless you qualify well for the weekend, it, it's just very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like I, I did quite a lot of European karting, um, and to be fair, like that, that's probably as close as the margins were last weekend, you know, like that, that stuff over there is ultra competitive and everyone's, everyone's on their A game. So, um, that, that stuff was really hard, but you know, it's like, yeah, as you said, you don't, it only takes one small mistake and you can be from one end of the field to the other. So, um, yeah, definitely gives us drivers a little bit more pressure, which is, um, yeah, makes it a little bit harder to deal with. So I imagine, though, driving with someone like the Groves, with the depth they've got of engineering skills, that you must get constant feedback on, on how you're going. I mean, and obviously they would have all been aware that, yes, this wasn't a good qualifying and we weren't going to be inside the, the top 10 this time. But the feedback must be pretty enormous to you that they've built in place there. Yeah, I mean, like, it's obviously good. You know, we've got, you know, I've been working with my engineer, Jack, for what, since Super 2 last year, and we've got a pretty good relationship. And, and as well as, you know, we have Brian McPherson and, and Al, even Alistair working with Dave. They're, those guys are just they're so keyed up on, on all the knowledge and that they know, they know when you've made a little slip up. Um, so you don't even really need to say anything, but, um, you know, like every, everyone's just trying to do better around here and we're all trying to get to the top and, and hopefully be a, be a race winning team, which I think we're not far off. So, you know, we're all working really hard, and, and these guys certainly have a lot of knowledge, which um, which helps a lot of the time. So I'd be right in saying that uh, Wanneroo in Western Australia, it's something different, isn't it? There, there's no other track like it in Australia. No, it's very, it's it's, it's short, um, and it's it's you know like there's only really one left hander on the whole track, which um, which it just makes tire life so hard because you're always you're always turning right and you're always trying to trying to accelerate. 
and turn at the same time. So it really just destroys the um, the left rear tyre, which again makes doing 25 laps feel like a very very long time when you're just nursing at every single corner. So um, it's definitely it's definitely a unique ex- experience. We said we would like to get. The one takeaway from the rookies at every race. So, what's the one key lesson learned from the weekend in Perth? Um, probably, oh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, really. I feel like I learned so much on the weekend. Um, you know, like that that one that off oh, the three park qualifying was um, was definitely a challenge. You know, it. it being 15 minutes for each session it was it was a long time spent in the car and just you know staying focused was was probably the main thing and and also i think i think the biggest one for me was just was just tire life you know like just how important it is to be conservative at the start of every stint and and you're not trying to slide it um at all so that's definitely a key lesson learned again probably for me um but yeah, you know, like I'm always learning so much over the weekends and um, only, only you know, making sort of small little mistakes and just not to make them again. So, um, yeah, it's, it's there's just so many things, you know, you're learning all the time. So, You only had the one season in the Super 2s. What do you think would have been the transition like for you if – they had have made that move to the timed races rather than all the red flag and yellow flag races that you had last year. Um, yeah, that's a pretty interesting point. You know, like I, I didn't even realise they they were changing it. Um, you know, until I saw watching watching the races. And and to be fair, like since the tracks only really a minute long, you know, fifty five seconds, they do they did about the same amount of laps as we did, um, which is which is great for them, but. Um, you know, I think it probably would have been a little bit better last year if we did switch to those timed races. You know, I definitely noticed there was a lot more racing going on last weekend than there was probably the previous year. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's obviously it's it's it does make a difference. You know, with you know, you get to learn how to deal with the tires and you know, racing at the at the end of the race when you're a little bit tired, or there's probably just a few more things that you have to take into consideration. But um, it was good seeing those guys, you know, battling hard and and having nice, clean racing. So, yeah. One of the things, of course, that was the standout from both the Super 2 and the main game races were the lack of uh, yellow flags, lack of safety cars. Uh, It was terrific to see so much racing going on and not being having to run around, just trail around behind uh, the course car, so to speak. Yeah, you know, like I, I probably forgot about safety cars after the first race when there, when there wasn't one. So, um, yeah, it was kind of strange. I just think everyone sort of kept their nose clean, and it, it was good hard racing. But there was no sort of real moments where you thought, you know, there was going to be a huge pileup. Um, so it, it definitely was a little bit strange. I, I sort of completely forgot about it until. You know, after the race, when you think about it, and you go, oh, that's, that's probably that's a bit strange. But um, yeah, it was nice to have a have a full clean race and just go 100 percent the whole time. So it's definitely a little bit better than having sort of two safety cars or three safety cars like we we're having at AGP. So yeah, indeed. And, and of course, they're they're looking after you the whole series uh, um, because you've got another 50 second track coming up, Simmons Plains. You're off to the Apple Isle. 
I imagine it's somewhere that you would relate to, given the uh, close proximity of Tasmania to New Zealand. Um, I, I feel that whenever I'm in Tasmania, I could be as easily in New Zealand. It, it just is so reminiscent, the countryside and so much about it. But um, Simmons is somewhere you have been before as well? No, I haven't. I haven't turned a lap around there, so it's going to be new territory for me in a couple of weeks. So. Oh, well, I, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It was, uh, I can vividly remember, it's where I learned that I was never going to be a racing driver. And it was <laughs> because I had rides with both Mark Scape and John Faulkner. And what I realised was that while I can handle a, a high-speed corner and I've driven up to 300 kilometres an hour, um, not on the open road, by the way, Matt, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> while I can and handle a high-speed corner, it's the slow speed that makes it really count. And that turn two at Simmons Plain, if you get that right, you're okay because it's the slowest corner in Australia and uh, then you've got a hairpin at the other end. Um, and it's that combination of acceleration, gears, the whole deal that I, as a somebody who aspired but realised I'm never going to be a race driver. But Matt, you are, and you're one that is showing themselves enormously, you know, extremely well done over in Wanneroo. We look forward to talking to you after Simmons Plains and, and an introduction to a, a, a cute little track, the same 2.41 kilometres, so you'll enjoy that aspect of it. It's not too long, so the track walk won't wear you out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely one thing that's nice, is, is not getting sore legs after, after the Thursday. Well, Matt, all the very best. We look forward to catching up with you after round four of the 2023 Repco Series, and uh, have a good time with Grove and Dave Reynolds. Perfect, thanks guys. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.